Well, hello there, and welcome back to the Purpose Map Podcast. This is Casey Berglund, your host and the founder of Worthy and Well. Today, I have an incredible guest on to share about how you are the asset. Aliyah Aluma. Doesn't she have a rock star name? Aliyah Aluma is one of the most fascinating humans I think I've ever met. She is very brilliant and I think a living example of the embodiment of a multifaceted being. And she owns it. She knows that that is her superpower. That is her gift. She has interests and awarenesses at the intersection of art, design, fashion, tech, cryptocurrency, and so much more, social justice. Uh, I don't know. She is amazing. And I can't wait for you to hear her story. In this episode, so much is revealed about what it is that makes you you. Through Aaliyah's story, I felt quite inspired to own my multifacetedness, to own my um, the parts that I sometimes shy away from, hide from. Uh, like, for example, growing up on a farm and some of the unique experiences that come from that perspective to moving through my own trauma to you know learning about nutrition and i feel like she inspired me to really look at all of the different parts of me and the ways in which um, my upbringing and interests and natural gifts can come together through hyperlinks you'll learn more about that in this episode she shares her story from growing up in a low-income home with a single mother and what she learned about her own creativity out of necessity to being a gifted student, to studying in university uh, literature and getting into crypto art and how she consistently creates jobs for herself through being who she is and owning all of her different parts. This episode is bound to inspire you to really look at your life from this perspective of connectivity and to see what the threads are among everything that you do and everything that you are. Enjoy. I can't wait for you to meet Aaliyah. Here we go. Let's dig in. Thank you for being here in this in this cute little phone booth in person at Work Nicer. We're gonna get a little toasty in here. As all great people do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it. So um, we just pulled a card before digging in, mm -hmm. and it had these themes of like death. How did that impact you? I just it hit me. It hit me hard. I have been thinking so much lately and i know you and i have recently spoken about how i like decided to like let things go and i'm using like doors and walkways and streets as portals and i'm like really like acting like or acting as a, like a vessel moving forward i want to um move forward with my self my positive choices and i want to leave behind all of these negative things and there's a lot of things that i've been grappling with like holding on because that's i have these affordances from certain things or i have these connections kind of like in like work there are a lot of good things about certain work positions that I'm in that I'm like, oh, I really love this. I don't want to give this up. 
But then there are things that I'm like, oh, I tread this. This mm-hmm. is making it so difficult to enjoy the things that I love. And I've been grappling with, do I give that up? And I do have other opportunities and other things, but it's like the moving on period. So I think that's really interesting that mm. <laughs> I got that because I've been like, dealing with this for a long time. Like, what do I let go of? What do I stick to? What do I carry forward? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, yeah. And most, when we were speaking about doing this episode together and talking about this overall theme of value, worth, um, getting paid, currency, like the intersections of all these things and women. And when we were talking, we kind of came up with this overall theme of a discussion based on like, you are the asset. And when I first looked at this card, I was like, every time I felt like every time I sat more fully into my authenticity um, and my fullness and wholeness, and every time I like pull these different parts together in my being, um, it's like a past version dies. And I think there's something to that card for me that is, is connected in with this topic of like being the asset, being valuable being worthy and in our like evolution or growth or I, I I do this with my hands this sort of circling motion this upward spiral I feel like that's how growth is and we're like circling around these different patterns uh letting go of what doesn't serve letting go of past identities letting letting the ego die a little bit in order to be more expressed mm-hmm. so yeah it's kind of like we have slightly different takes on the card but i feel like they intersect too i definitely feel like they do intersect and when you made the comment about um it's like a part of you dies or past self or something like you because you become a new person i have noticed that there are these like trends in my life where everything changes so much that it's almost like i am a completely different person like i do not recognize myself the people around me are not the same the way i present myself is not the same um it's just even sometimes the way I speak or like the vocabulary that I start to adopt or how my voc- vocabulary grows, the cadence of my voice, like everything actually changes. And I do feel different. And people often say that if I run into people from a past life or <laughs> like a few years prior, oh, you're so different now or you've changed or you've grown or you've tried so many interesting things. But it's, um, it's kind of funny to always have people like, oh, I've been watching the whole time. Yeah, I've always like, I've been watching what you're doing, what you're going through. And it's weird because you think that you do it alone. Like, yeah, much of it, you think that like there's no one else around you, that you're just having these moments and changing. But people are always watching and people are always seeing and in different ways. They're like being inspired by it or they're learning from it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's it's like the this distance that grows between you and those people. Mm-hmm. Like, like people can observe you changing. Whereas when you are the person changing yourself, you're only looking at the things that you want to bring with you. Mm-hmm. So it's it's weird. It's like your past life always looking in and you are reminded. I don't know. It's oh, yeah, totally. And, you know, like when we first met, since we first met, like you are someone that I think is so interesting because you do have all these different parts that you bring together. And, and even, you know, like we've only connected three or four times really maybe three times in person this is the fourth yeah <laughs> and um yeah every time I connect with you I feel like I learn about a different part of you and also 
about a different part of your path that you're on that is like constantly evolving and growing. And I guess I'm curious, hmm, could you give an example of how that pattern's maybe showing up right now? Like this, this pattern of, of growth or exploring different sides um, and maybe like letting go. You started to speak about it, I guess, when we first talked about the card, but. Um, so I guess a lot is changing. This last year of my life was probably one of the most difficult. I went through a lot of different changes and a lot of things that I didn't have precedence to deal with. Mm-hmm or things that I hadn't dealt with in a very long time. It just was a lot of interesting challenges that I I do feel like a completely different person. But some of the examples, I guess, would just be something that was really big for me was transitioning out of being a student. I did two undergrads and a master's, and then now I'm not doing anything, like, <laughs> um, not taking classes anymore. That was a really big, strange identity thing. I was like, should I just do a PhD because... I know how to be in school, right? I know how to do that. And taking over the the new identity of not being a student was really difficult because a lot of my self-proclaimed value came, I think, from my academic success. Mm -hmm. So that was really big. And then trying to find that same feeling and that interest in other places, right? When you're sitting in a classroom, at least for me, I know this isn't the same for everybody, but when I'm sitting in a classroom and I'm learning something new, I'm getting crazy excited about everything. And then I'll have, or I'll read something and I'll get an idea and that idea will lead to another idea and another one and another one. And it's like, I'm living with this constant mind map inside of my head and seeing all of these different things and how all of these things are connected. And I wasn't getting that in my everyday life. Hmm. So I was like, is, is life inspiring? Are there things here? So that was also, um, so that was I don't know, a challenge, finding interest in the things around me. So I spent the last year really working on that. And I, some of the other changes that I went through were just career, finding things that I liked, finding things that I found valuable, and then also finding places that viewed me as valuable. Mm-hmm. And I understand that and a lot of jobs, like a lot of jobs are set up so that multiple people can do them, so that people can be replaced and that is a successful work model in capitalism (laughs) but I've never really loved that like if I enter a workplace and I'm just one of the like one of the cogs in the machine I'm like what am I doing here this isn't what's gonna bring me life and it's funny because this last year all of the jobs that I've taken are actually jobs that were created for me so (laughs) they're not jobs that existed prior to me being in that space so Whoa, that just gave me tingles. That that <laughs> feels like, yep, that's that's a point to double click on. Yeah. What I heard you say is that everything that's come to you more recently mm-hmm. has been created for you because of you being an asset, you know? Yes. And and I guess I also have been thinking a lot about um just value worth, etc. When I think about a human being an asset, it's a you're a priceless asset. Like you can't put a dollar number on you as an asset and the different things that you bring to the table. And of course, um, it is tied into you being you and you, you know, embodying all all of your intersecting parts and being like uniquely unique um, allows you to bring something to the table that does create value that then gets 
paid for, right? But you as a being are, are priceless. And I think this, this is super interesting, this piece around like all of these opportunities that you've received have been created for you. So tell us about them. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I always like to tell people that you can do anything with what you know. And if you need to learn something, you learn it, right? You have all of these different skills and everything that you're capable of doing is able to contribute to any field in a different way. Right. And you can be useful anywhere. You can be an asset anywhere because of what you know. You just have to remind yourself what's in you, what you learned, what you, what skills that you have. And essentially, my life, the course of my life is finding opportunities without really looking for them. But it's because I am putting forward a type of energy that a lot of people don't put effort into introducing to people that they think might not be significant or they think. I don't know. Maybe the better way to say it is I don't think that there's such thing as an insignificant moment. There's mm -hmm. such thing as somebody that is just not going to matter. And like, even if it's just a 10 second interaction, mm -hmm. that 10 second interaction could change your life. That could change their life. That could change your perspective. That could completely set the course of, I don't know, just events that are going to happen that lead you somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Consider everything to be significant. So be present in everything. Like yeah. show up and put in the effort because that comes back to you. That energy always comes back to you. Mm -hmm. So um, an example being what a, one of the jobs that I have right now is as a creative director of technology and arts that I work with designing like everything. Like I design the inside of menus and I design clothing and I work with like crypto and all of these different things. It's this very interesting job that was created just because of the you work the, with crypto within that job? Yeah, crypto and digital assets and stuff, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but, continue. Um, what is interesting is I, so this was at, I don't need, am I able to see where I work? I don't know if I should. Uh, maybe don't, yeah. I, unless you've checked with them, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So <laughs> I, um, this is not a venue in the city, but I was there as a guest and it was my friend who was applying for this job as a hostess in this venue and I didn't know anybody there but I asked our server who the manager was and she introduced him brought him over and then I acted like I'd known him my entire life I was like oh my goodness how are you I haven't seen you in so long do you remember my friend and I introduced them and she's looking for work here and started talking about how wonderful she was as a person <laughs> he loved it the manager just ate it up and played along with it and he and then he was like and what's your name yeah. And then I like introduced myself and he wanted my number. He's like, I want you to apply as well for at the time it was a different position. And when an opportunity like that happens, I always just take it. Even if I, even if it's like, like at the time I didn't need to be working as a server. I was working for the University of Ottawa. I was fine. I didn't need that. We're also going into a lockdown. It was like, what, what was I doing? Yeah. And, um, I was like, okay, <laughs> the opportunity's here. You might as well take it. It's here for a reason. Yeah. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But I'll never know if I don't, I don't know, take it. So um, I gave him my phone number. A couple of days later, I got a phone call. He's like, are you in the area? Can you come in for an interview? And I said, sure, I can be there in a few minutes. I'm literally just a few shops down, but I don't have a resume or anything with me. He's like, that's okay. Just come on in. Yeah. So then I sit down with another manager and he's like, do you have a resume? <laughs> I was like, no, but you know what? I'm just going to tell you about myself. <laughs> That's like badass. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, okay. 
so then we like sat down and I was chatting and and um he was like okay well we have a couple other interviews today and I was like how many spots are available he said one or two and I was like okay well I'll be waiting for your call <laughs> confident and um he laughed and he's like yeah we're probably gonna hire you so then um like a couple days later I get a message from him being like do you still want this job and I was like absolutely yeah and then I worked for five days and we went into a lockdown everything closed so I started working with food apps in the back so it was only ever me and the managers working and I was running like the uber eats skip the dishes stuff like that just helping out it was my social interaction every like I live alone so I was like this is this is actually quite nice mm-hmm. and then through those conversations, they started to learn things about me that they had no idea about because they'd never seen a resume. So they had no idea what I was actually studying in university. They had no like idea what, what like, my interests were. What so, were those things they learned about you that were fascinating? Um, well, doing my master's, well, they learned that I had studied in Hong Kong, that I had studied in England, that I lived in Italy for a substantial amount of time, and that I just traveled throughout Europe and Asia doing different things, having different experiences and um different places that i'd worked and skills that i picked up like like <laughs> working um for fashion week when i was in hong kong or working as a fashion photographer i did a lot of fashion work when i was abroad and um so that gave me a lot of very interesting skills in regards to like fashion photography and mentorship and large-scale events and what goes on in that kind of world when I was working in Italy, I was working as a muralist in a hotel in exchange for room and board. You're so cool. <laughs> I just like, already I've learned so many more things about you. Keep going. <laughs> Keep going. Because I think the specifics are important to like, to really like showcase how you bring these different parts together. So keep going. What else have you learned about you? Um, so there was some things like that. And then I was doing my master's, but I was doing my master's in all of the classes were taught in French and in Spanish. And what? Yeah, because I had applied to the university. I'd applied to a bunch of different universities and I applied to the University of Ottawa because I was kind of seeing this person for a while who was living in Ottawa. And I'm like, okay, this is like my fourth choice school. And like, if all else fails, I'll go here. And it was the only school that I applied to in Canada. So because of COVID, I was like, okay, I'm just going to do this. This is the best option. And it ended up being the best option because they offered me a scholarship for the entire thing. And then they also offered me work while I was there. So it ended up being the best choice. And then they also paid for me to learn French because prior to being a student there, I didn't actually know any French. Whoa. And what, yeah, what were you studying there? I was studying world literature and culture. And it was just the way it happened where um, I think one year a, a majority of classes would be in English and then the next year they'd be in French because it's the capital university. And my year just happened to be most things in French. So <laughs> I had to learn French. I'm sitting there listening to classes. Okay, I got this. But I did study Spanish in my undergrad, so that was my saving grace. And um, while I was there, every single thing felt like it was made for me to be a part of. Mm-hmm. So I was assigned to different TAs or to different professors to do RA work, so to do different research. And to one professor, I was um, assigned eco-criticism research, which was amazing because that was one of my independent hobbies. Studying. I had never the told anybody about that i don't so know where anything know. about that eco-criticism is just being able to critique the world and social processes literature art film um and just like anything through an eco-critical lens so having like that a, like a profound awareness of how whatever is created impacts the environment okay. and, um 
So I did a lot of research on that and I had been researching that independently prior. So I had this like mass collection of information already in all these textbooks in my home that I just read out of my free time. And now I could just tell them to this person. So I was like, that's amazing. Yeah. And then the other person I was assigned to was an art history professor. So I was like, this is perfect. These are my two interests. So it was just the easiest work possible. And it was a really good way for me to build relationships with them because in a way I seemed like really well versed in these fields. I mean, I guess I should be in art history having a full degree in it, but um, <laughs> it was, it was just, I don't know, that was very nice. And then I had the opportunity to write whatever I wanted for my master's thesis. And while everybody was studying, like, um, they'd pick a certain book and they would write their paper about that or the author of that book. I thought to myself, why can't I capitalize on this opportunity a little bit more? So instead of studying like a book or film, just one and like speaking about that cultural significance, I was like, I want to study business literature. Okay. And because of the like a literature and world culture class, I could. Yeah. And I was like, okay, now how can I niche this down a bit? And I was like, okay, I want to study crypto culture, crypto art culture. So that relates to my art history practice. And then business literature, capital literature, theories of capital, all of that will relate to the literature aspect of this degree. So I, in a way, gave myself a soft business degree in decentralized currencies. <laughs> Pardon my language. Uh, what was the pull to the business side of it? Like that decision to like, you know what? what? What was it about you that made you think to yourself like, I'm not just going to pick apart a book or a film. I want to like pull this other element into it. Where did that urge come from? Um, two different places. So I grew up in a financially unstable environment like I when I um you know it's funny so just yesterday I was having a conversation with somebody who expressed that they are struggling to enjoy life while making $45,000 a year they just think it's not enough money and I heard that and I was like okay I can kind of like if you have a very luxurious lifestyle of course but it reminded me and I'm always reminding myself this that when I grew up it was my brother myself and my single mom and we survived on an average of twelve to fourteen thousand dollars a year. Wow, which is really, really not a lot. We lived in low-income housing. Everything that was given to us, um, or everything that like came into our home, was pretty much donated. It was we always had things from the food bank. I never had clothing that wasn't secondhand. I um, didn't even. I never even until I was an adult until last year. I didn't even have a bed that wasn't secondhand. Like every single thing in my life, I just been passed down, and it was fine. Like I didn't know anything different so now if i if i had to radically reduce my quality of life and survive on fourteen thousand dollars a year i could because i know how to um but <laughs> i think about that and then i think about how my mother should be going into retirement right now but will have to work for the rest of her life because she didn't have those financial skills whereas my father he migrated here he didn't start university until he was 27 he spent the majority of his life living in a refugee camp under a, a dictator and all of these terrible things in Uganda. Um, but he did like have good times. Like, it wasn't like all bad. Yeah. Um, but because of that, he started a lot later in life, but he still set himself up so that he's going to retire. Like he has the skills. He decided to learn those things because he knew what it was like to have nothing. And I've always really followed that model that my father set forward. He's always been adamant on 
learn as much as you can, learn about education, but learn about the things that are going to keep you alive. So I was like, I have to be financially literate because I have a mother who I need to take care of. Mm -hmm. But I also want to make sure that I'm taken care of later. Like, I don't want to be in that position for myself, but I never want to be in that position again. Mm-hmm. So I, I've i been working since I was 13. Like I've had two jobs since I was 13 years old continuously. And I just, I can't even imagine not having that. So even if I have a good contract or a good job, I'm always working in like other little projects because I like just diversifying here. Exactly. And by doing that, by always having worked for so long, it's taught me the value of my time to what I'm bringing to my life. And I always think, how many hours of my life did I have to give to be able to afford this or to be able to do this thing? And I have always thought I want to be able to afford things without having to give so many hours of my life. Yeah, like not trading time. Exactly. Exactly. So I just, I really wanted to be financially literate. And I'm like, it's only going to happen if I do it for myself. Mm-hmm. So um i started learning as much as i could i became very interested in it and then when i got into university and was studying art history and markets i became super interested in business as it relates to the movement of goods but like luxury goods because it's very unregulated and there's a lot of crime in that area which is super interesting but there's also billions of dollars that's moved every single year through an art market that nobody is following so what are people really buying? Like what is going on? And then end up learning that a lot of transactions are hiding other things. And it's just so much happened. And I became super interested in the world of um, like finance and goods and what money can like buy. I guess. Yeah. What it's and, then, and then cryptocurrency exactly. because of the like exactly. market. Yeah. All the exchange of the goods kind of. Yeah. So behind the scenes. How I ended up interested in cryptocurrency was because. I was studying art law. I was interested in becoming a lawyer, actually, and I wanted to go into art law. And I still might, but I was thinking about the forgery market. There's a massive forgery market where people just sell like forged and fake goods. And it's huge. And it's like, it's almost more organized than a traditional art market. And so I was like, okay, what would happen if an artwork could not be forged. And I started researching that. And it's like, what kind of world could exist that didn't have art crime or all of these things? So because I was looking for a way to avoid art crime, that's how I came up or that's how I ended up on NFTs. Okay. And then I entered into this app Clubhouse. Yes. Yeah. And then I was just like, whoa, this is everywhere. So I started learning a lot about it and then meeting different people, having different conversations, learning the technology. And that's what made me super interested in tech as well. So, um, and then I was like, I'm going to do my master's research on this. I'm going to learn as much as I can. Because at one point in life, somebody told me, if you were a student, the world will always help you. Mm -hmm. And you can literally introduce yourself like, hello, I'm a student. I would like to learn this. Can you offer me this opportunity, like this experience? People are like, yeah, of course. Like people are so willing to help students. I'm like, I'm going to take, like, I'm going to use this. Yeah. So I introduced myself to as many people as I could, people leading markets, people doing research at MIT, people working at Sotheby's, people in all of these different areas. And I was like, teach me as much as you can. I'm, I'm doing research on it. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it grew into this big thing and kind of like changed my life. Like it fully entirely changed my life and every opportunity that I've had since has been because of the research that I did there. 
but it was totally out of the box. And my supervisor, I had one supervisor who was just not on board. She did not like the idea. She thought that it was a waste of time and even expressed that she thinks that this is culturally just irrelevant. Mm. And I was like, I disagree. <laughs> Good for you. Um, and I put the work forward. The second reader approved it. First reader did not approve it, which was her. The person who thought it was irrelevant. The second reader was like, this is amazing. And I was like, thank you. Yeah. And then you're not for everyone. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, you know what? Not everyone's going to like me. But if somebody is challenging this so aggressively, there's got to be something there. It's also something I thought. I was like, you know what? If I'm not facing some kind of adversity, I'm not doing something worth worthwhile. Exactly. Yeah. So, wow. Okay. Sorry, that was a no, lot. I yes. So yes. But this is also part of your gift. Like already, um, as I'm hearing your story, I'm like, you just get more and more fascinating to me. And where this started was you were talking about this venue and this job opportunity oh, and yeah. how you were how you were working on apps behind the scenes, like skip the dishes and DoorDash and spending time with the managers and just telling them about yourself. And they're listening to you like like we're listening to you right now. And they're probably have their jaw dropped. Like, who is this human? You know, like you just shared so much about, you know, growing up with $14,000 a year and having a sibling and a single mom and the perspective that your dad offered versus your mom. Like, I just want to like highlight that those, the upbringing that you can, that's such a part of your multifacetedness that makes you an asset. You know, it makes me think about how, like, I don't think I've ever told my listeners this publicly, how I grew up on a farm collecting horse urine for a living. Like our family did that because estrogen comes out of the urine of pregnant horses and it makes postmenopausal drugs. There you have it, you know, but it's something that I don't talk about. And the people I share that with, they're like, um, what? Like, that's fascinating. And I feel like I just had that experience with you where it's like talking about your upbringing and these things that you grew up in, like you have this way of seeing the silver lining. Like when you were talking about your family making little money and and always having your needs met what i what i witnessed in you was like and so i know how to live with little i know how to manage that there was a gift in that and um i also wanted to change that for myself moving forward and and that's like one nugget of wisdom from your from your story here but then the way that you sort of followed your interest and curiosity and you said something at the beginning like a one liner that was like if you don't know it, you can learn it. Mm -hmm. Something like that. You can do anything with what you know. And if you don't know something, learn how. Well, and talk about li a living example of that, you know, like like what you said about uh, making best use of being a student mm -hmm. and being like, I'm a student. I want to learn everything I can about this. Um, there's such wisdom there. And like, uh, I'm so glad that you just shared a little taste of your multifacetedness. I know there's like an infinite amount more, <laughs> but bring us back to where you are like working in this venue behind the scenes with the managers and they're just learning about right. you. Right. Yes. Yes. So they're just learning about me. They're learning all these things and um, they become like wildly interested, I guess, in the things that I'm saying. And there was a chef that used to work in this place who was from Montreal and it was honestly his intervention, I think, that did the most because him and I spoke the most and I 
didn't realize that he had kind of a, a bad attitude relationship with a lot of people there, but I just thought he was the greatest. I thought he was so fun and so interesting. We had similar like, jokes. We understood things in a similar way and we really bonded. And so I told him a lot about what I was sitting and ended up teaching him a lot. And then one day, the owner of the venue, I didn't even follow the venue on social media at this time. So I didn't know what they were looking for, that they had needs that needed to be met. But um, the owner of the venue was looking for somebody who knew about crypto and crypto art because they were interested in making some sort of crypto advancements and investments and creating their own crypto art. And they were also looking for somebody who knew about art and like or artists in the city because they were going to design their venue extension and they needed help. So um, I had no idea that these things were things that this person was looking for. And then the chef actually, who, who uh, he no longer works, it was okay for me to say that, but the chef um, told the owner to message me personally and ask some questions. And I never really met this person, like ever. Like I had one conversation with them. I made a joke and they didn't laugh. And I was like, all right, <laughs> maybe not. So, um, so they messaged me personally and they were like, hey, can I talk to you about some things? And I was like, like what? Like, what are the things? And then he's like, I'd like to talk to you about crypto art. And it's like, what would you like to learn? And he said, well, I essentially know nothing. So then I did something that I always do and I didn't realize until like probably last year that I was actually like the quality of the work that I was producing because it's always been the standard that I've held for myself. So he asked me two simple questions. If I could just sit down with him for like 20 minutes and introduce him to like what crypto is to see if there was any way the venue could be a part of that world. And what I did is I put together like a little document so it was, I think, like almost like eight pages, actually. And I put all of these definitions. I defined crypto. I explained the stages of it. So that, I was like, I honestly have no idea what this person knows. So I gave this background information so that they had foundational understanding of how crypto came into being, um, terms that people are using if they're going to go and navigate the space, websites that are super beneficial, marketplaces, how to list, like all of this stuff. It was essentially a manual, an onboarding manual on how to get into the world of NFTs and crypto. And then pages of examples where similar venues had been using crypto. And then wow. that venue could use crypto. And you just did this before the yeah, thing even exactly. Happened. He like messaged me on the Tuesday. I made this for him by Sunday. And then we like had the meeting on Monday or two, like the next Tuesday or something. And um, I also, even though he didn't ask this question about looking for artists, because I went to the venue's Instagram and saw the post. And I was like, oh, well, I actually work <laughs> another job. I have a job as um, a QT BIPOC conscious curator with an organization in the city as well. And I'm contracted out to different venues to make sure that they're curating with like absolute consciousness and with this awareness of the art and the artists and the people around them so that we're diversifying art and really using it as a tool to make people better and community stronger. Mm-hmm. So I have this list. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm like, of course you have another job in a fascinating area. And I can't think of like, who would be a better person for that? Nobody. Like, did they create that job for you too? In a way. In a way. <laughs> okay. Okay. Bring it back. So, um, so anyways, I have this list. I've been building this list of artists in the city and then I write a little bio about them so that there's kind of like a catalog that I can show the different venues I go to and how to utilize the artists that are currently in your city and yeah. the local artists. 
So I went through and based on the criteria that they were looking for, I just put together a list, put some images in that document, and then um, a description about the artist. And then also, again, I shaped the description in a way. So I, I said, if you approach this artist, this is how you describe their work. These are terms that you would use. Wow. It's like, for what, for what purpose? Like, like, why do you feel like they would need that? Um, like to not yeah harm the person exactly to not yeah. bring any kind of harm to that person to be conscious um when they were speaking to that person and then i'm also under the assumption that a lot of people the reason that cal yeah the reason that calgary doesn't have a vibrant art scene compared to other places is just because people don't know how to interact with mm-hmm. or truly interact with the vocabulary so i was like here is like making this as easy as possible i want the world to be a better place so i just make it as easy as possible to be a good person so but talk about like adding value too right like like no wonder these abundant opportunities come your way given the value that you add to every moment you know it's not just these job opportunities or these hoity-toity people that you want something from like you're not you're not I don't feel that energy from you at all it's just like how can I how can I basically solve a problem for them and make their life easier which which to me is like from a business perspective that's all business is is like solving problems and getting paid for the value that you bring you know Mm -hmm. and so just the way that you naturally think around like hmm what might they be wondering about and how can I make it easier for them even before I get on that first meeting? Like that's offering such value that like, of course, uh, I feel like the universal law of reciprocity mm-hmm. is in action by who you are. What I like to say is live impactfully. Mm-hmm. Always leave an impact to do something that is going to make an impact. Mm-hmm. And I... um Uh, That kind of relates to the concept of hyperlink that I want to talk about in a second. But to just wrap up this part. (laughs) Um, So after I did that, I presented that. And to me at the time, I really didn't think anything of it. Like this was the quality of work that I'd been creating my entire life. And it actually wasn't even the best quality work that I'd done. Like I, so I um, sent it to him. And then the next day or that week we had the meeting and he was blown away fascinated and there was another colleague that was there in the meeting as well because he wanted to learn what I was talking about and then at the end of the meeting the owner sits down with me and he's like I want to give you a job to do all of these things just control all of these things because I guess I I had also forgot <laughs> to mention this put together a little example of if the venue did certain things where they could be in a year and three years and then five years. oh my goodness and then it was like I want you to do this for us so just pick a job title and uh, and a salary and then come talk to me about it whoa yeah and okay you honor your own boundaries and I feel like that's an interesting place to be in too especially Mm -hmm. like for a women pick pick a job title and a salary Mm -hmm. you know like many people I know many women I know that would put them into a frenzy like oh my god what number do I throw out there like how did you go about that so I did a little bit of inquiring to see what other people in the venue were making just because i i don't want to be some random person that comes out of nowhere and said i want to make more than every manager here though you probably Um, could have in that moment (laughs) i mean probably but um i did suggest a range for the the skills that i was going to be doing like the, the things that i was going to be doing i did suggest a range and um 
I, I don't want to say anything bad. Like it definitely, they came back with a lower offer, but then I learned what other people were also making and realized that everybody was kind of making lower than I expected. Yeah. So I was like, okay, maybe I'll, this will be like a, this will be like a year. I'll like try it out. But I, but I got the title and I realized that in a lot of ways, the title is a really big thing to have yeah. in, in business. So like the yeah. creative arts and technology director. Yeah. And that title has now gone to do so much for me and has led me to the current position I have, which is essentially like chief creative officer of an app that is coming into like coming into being like re being remodeled, but then also is going to have a tangible aspect and all of these different things. And it's going to be like this big, large scale project that if done properly is probably going to project my life into a completely different direction. Right. But in a, in a way that I couldn't even imagine. Right. So, um, but I also, under this title, I was kind of, or in this position, I was kind of like, I could do whatever I want, which was really cool. Like I could propose an idea, I'd get a budget and then I would just do it. So I was like, okay, well, there are a bunch of things that I would really like to learn how to do and a bunch of things that I would like to do and have on my resume. And I just explained how it could benefit the menu. And then did all of these cool things like designing a clothing line and like, <laughs> I don't know, just doing a bunch of interesting things, learning how to do all of these different like computer things, running an e-commerce thing, training other people to do it for me, like all of this stuff. So I'm like, I have given myself so many skills that I'm confident if I wanted to start my own business at this point in time, I'd be absolutely fine. I feel like you, you have such natural business skills and business mindset, you know, like, <laughs> like I love how you're like, okay. A, you were the asset and a job was created for you. So that's like the first part. And then you're kind of like, what do I want to learn? And how can I pitch it in a way that is a win-win, that in a way that adds value to them and, and shows them that this is for the good of all, you know? And, and what I love about that is you're not leaving yourself off you know, away from the table kind of thing. Like I think, I think a lot of women in particular can be sort of self-sacrificing and then overgive because they want to maybe have their own value or worth validated from outside of them mm -hmm. or, um, or the opposite kind of think about like, what do I want and how, and, and almost be selfish about it and forget that like to have impact is to add value to others and and you're getting paid for a transformation that you create for others mm -hmm. and what i hear from you is that you just have this it doesn't even sound like you think about it it's sort of this natural integrated way of being like what do i need out of this situation and what do i want to learn and how could this add great value to this company that i'm investing my time and energy into and getting paid from and you know when you, when you talk about like yeah of course i could run a business someday i'm like um you kind of already are. It's just under the structure <laughs> of being an em employee yeah. and, and not every, like you, you do have contracts too. So you mm -hmm. are a business owner in a way, yeah. in essence. Mm -hmm. um, so that, like, yeah, that brings us back to the, the idea of impact, like those little things, like taking that time to learn those skills in the workplace and not just be complacent with what you have to do every day, I think is super important, but then always remembering things that you've learned and the parts of you that you can bring forward that make you an asset but in a way that just is kind of I think that because I've been working on it for so long like you mentioned like it, like I don't even think about it it's just this natural thing I'm like I want to make this kind of impact and so it's the framework that I I look at life with like it's, yeah. just, it's just there it's it's been conditioned and I think that that's like a habit that anybody can learn how to do they can find in themselves 
the ways that they're an asset. And a lot of the things that have made me really successful are the the passions, the interests, the things that a lot of people might not have encouraged, like making art or studying art, things like that have allowed me to see the world in a very interesting and creative and empathetic way. I think mm-hmm. empathy is really, really huge. And I do think that I was a bit lucky in this way when I was in high school that our word, like we had a word that embodied what it, what I don't know, like what we wanted to represent as a student body and as a staff. And it was the word empathy. Mm. So our school was really focused on figuring out ways to be empathetic. And we had so many different people in our school and um, people from like different backgrounds, from different countries. But then we also had people of different abilities and different economic values, all of these things. So it impacted how you've interacted in that one space. And I was a bit of a warrior <laughs> back then where I, I remember having, and I know I'm going off on a tangent, but I promise it's going to come. Okay. And I remember having this teacher, we, there was a class, it was a psychology class and like 80% of the class failed the test. And the teacher sat down and made all of the students go around and say, like, what is your dream? And then tell them why they wouldn't reach that dream because they didn't do well on that test. What? And I did not vibe with that. No. And um, I expressed how at the time I hadn't even been familiar with like like what a safe space was. And I hadn't like really formally educated myself on safe practices and safe spaces and stuff. I was only 15 or 16. And I stood up, like actually stood up in the classroom and then started scolding the teacher for what they were doing. I was like, do you know the lives of any of these people individually? Do you know like what anyone is going through, what anyone has to deal with? And I just like went on. And at the time I was also exhausted because I was working two jobs, playing a sport, trying to do all of these different things so that I had as many skills as possible so that I could go and do things with my life. And I did have the advantage of being rather gifted in school. So I understand that, um, like, I, I don't know, like I didn't get like scolded from teachers the way other people did where my confidence was destroyed. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take advantage of the position I'm in, the privilege that I have to like, understand the material in the world the way I do. And I'm going to defend the people who can't. Yeah. Right? And I just like stood up in this classroom. And I was so upset. And I realized in that moment that um, the only reason I was able to do that was because of the things I had, the things that I'd learned, the things that I'd been subject to. And then I be, like, made sure to remind people to be conscious of everything that they're learning, every skill that they're getting. Like the, like when you see somebody stand up for something, notice like how they did it. Notice yeah. like, what they're saying. Um, nobody stands up without their wood shaking a little bit. Like no, nobody thinks that like, it's going to happen. Um, but like making yourself an asset that is also someone that is going to consider other people. Like I think that if you... Are living intentionally you have the only way to live intentionally is to be intentionally connected to everyone i mm-hmm. guess to remember that so living as an asset and that started that moment is what started having me work with kids in what was called um the like i think the developmental learning area or something where um they just struggled more in different areas for different reasons and i spent a lot of time with people in like like there are different classrooms. So I'd say like people who hung out in those rooms. I know if you haven't been to that school, it's like hard to understand, but there are just like these rooms where people would come. And I understand now that they're kind of like, they were like safe spaces. They were places where you could get extra help on things. And I would actually skip class and go down and hang out in those places because I didn't need to attend those classes. And mm-hmm. it's funny when I look back on it because 75 classes, if you miss 75 classes, you're kicked out of school. And every semester I missed around 70. Wow. <laughs> no, but I was down there helping like different people and then I was doing different things and I was working, all of this stuff. Um, 
And something that I always wanted to like show people was how they already knew what they were struggling to understand. Mm. And it was just the way that it was being presented to them that was making it difficult. And even now, with like a lot of like women in the workplace, especially and newcomers and outsiders, like people who are like outside of Canada, like they come here. Yeah. Um, there's that, like that, I don't know, that idea that they just inherently won't understand because people tell them that they don't understand. Like, right. It's different. Like, you know what I mean? And yeah, you're always conditioned and you're like taught to think that way of yourself. That's who you are. So I am not essentially like, yes, I will teach people like new skills or something. If, if they ask, but I essentially teach people how to do what they already know how to do. Yeah. I remind them that they're already capable. And, um, that embodiment of, um, seeing yourself as an asset and seeing all of your skills as useful and your perspectives as useful. And that leads to the idea of, of hyperlink, of hyperlink skills, which is something that I learned from hyperlink cinema, which is this idea that or just like it follows a hyperlink. If you're learning something and you click on the hyperlink, it takes you somewhere else like immediately. Yeah. yeah. And then when you're there, you learn that thing. And like it just it shows that there's this connectivity between everything. But then also it makes the world seem so much smaller because you can go from one thought to another thought that is from a completely different place, a completely different city, a completely different country, completely different frame of reference. And we as people can do that too. Yeah. Well, I mean, this conversation is a great example of that, you know, like, like yeah. truly. And, and I think I'd never heard of this term hyperlink in relation to like being a human, you know, and, and hyperlinked skills. I've never used that languaging, but, you know, I will often like talk about the thread through all of you're you're allowed to have these like multifaceted parts and there's this thread that connects them and it's you, you know, mm. And one thing I love about you is, is how you own your hyperlinked skills and your creative mind and your way of seeing things and your, your capacity to like learn in all these different directions. You own it and stand in it. And, and that's like really cool because I know some incredible, smart, creative humans and I, I'll speak from what's, I guess, true from what I witnessed. It's mostly in women where they'll get on their, they'll get in their power around their creative mind. And then it's like they'll catch themselves and shrink and apologize for like being too much or going in too many directions. And, you know, and it's like, what if this is your gift? Mm -hmm. You know, like I just learned recently that um, I've always had this thing. My throat gets really flushed and red and my jaw gets all, it, it's like patchy red spots when I get passionate. And especially when there's like a potent truth that's coming out of me and my mom has it too. And it's like, but my throat turns all patchy and red, you know, and it's kind of like, ugh. and I used to just like feel that heat in my body. And then apologize and sort of shrink and be like oh yeah sorry my throat or like wear turtlenecks to cover it up and then I learned that like actually this is part of my superpower like this is a physical representation of me speaking my truth and being in my power and everything shifts when you own the thing and I feel like you own the the hyperlinking um essence of you you know like this conversation is an example of that uh, well, thank you. 
And to go to your comment when you said that you feel like you shrink or you feel like you're like, but, um, there's this idea that sometimes you start to feel like you're too much and that that's something that's carried in a lot of women. I think that that's a really important thing to take note of because people will tell women all the time to calm down. Yeah. Like you're like, you're being a lot right now or like, whoa, that's a lot. That's like, that's too much. And it like that. actually really bothers me. Yeah. It's like, I'm excited about something. I am passionate about something. I have these ideas. I have something inside of me. There's like an energy. You should be saying thank you. Yeah, exactly. That energy because you clearly don't have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. And I, I have heard that my entire life. Like when I was younger, I was always told that I was just like too loud. I was too much. There was too much going on. And for a long time, it really did. It made me feel smaller. It really made me feel bad. And I thought there must be something wrong with me if I can't just be composed and be this like, little quiet normal vessel and and like for a long time i had this idea that um like like the elegant classy sophisticated woman was just the like really quiet mysterious person yeah and then i was like what the heck like i can do so much and i started to learn now as an adult that when people tell me that i'm too much or i'm a lot it's because they either feel intimidated or they feel like threatened by it by some way, or they feel insecure that they're not comfortable enough to be at that place. Oh yeah, it's not about you. Exactly. It's never about it's never about you. Like if you are passionate and like creative and big and doing whatever, like do it. Take up space. Like yeah. actually to take up space and let your ideas take up space too. And like say things and if somebody doesn't understand you, like a lot of I'm misunderstood all the time. Like I, a lot of people will misunderstand me. I, even when I was younger, a lot of people thought that I was just this like weird, strange person that had these weird ideas. And I just, I did. I spent a lot of time by myself, spent a lot of time quiet because nobody was there to talk to me about those things. But then as I grew and traveled and met other people, I was like, okay, there are people in the world who are like me. It was just the people around me that were not helping nurture that. And so take up space, be big, be that hyperlink self. And to go back to that hyperlink point uh, quickly, it's this, um, we don't realize how all of the things we learn are valuable, even if they're not things that we learned in a classroom or in a workplace. Yes. That's a really big thing. Like a lot of my big skills that I got, that I had early on in life came from having to learn how to survive on so little. Yeah. Like I, and I can't remember the exact quote, but it was in this film called takeout girl and um it's about this like family that is struggling they own a chinese food restaurant and they make a comment about how the people with the least or the people that like people who are trying to figure out how to survive are the most creative yeah and like very intuitive and i i do agree with that in a lot of ways um especially seeing my little brothers who grew up mostly like their young lives so far they grew up in uganda so seeing them interact with anything as like a toy or something creative or interesting was is just amazing but because i didn't have things like i couldn't if i needed something i couldn't go out and buy it like i had to make it i had to figure out how to use it i had to like even like halloween costumes i used to make my own halloween costumes at a very young age like i was eight years old the first time i sewed a costume together um i i don't know but i still had like these really big dreams and then when i was 13 i like wrote and directed a musical and <laughs> so i was like i think i can do it i want to do it but I, I remember that like, I was like writing plays and practicing and doing all of this stuff. And I um, was also 
I think because I had little was really good at convincing people to just give me experiential opportunities. So um, like charming myself, like, I wanted to be an actress so bad. And when I was eight, I convinced the theater, the city theater to let me join. <laughs> I didn't think I could do it. Um, but I did those things because like as a kid being able to talk to, I had to talk to a lot of adults. Like I had a single mom. And because of that, I was going to places that she had to go. So I was always interacting with adults. I was going to like different jobs, doing different things, cleaning houses with her, doing whatever. But I was meeting so many people. So at a very young age, I was like trained to talk to adults at a very high level. And then that impacted my life. So anyways, the point of this is you have all these skills. Like if you're sitting down at home and you're journaling, okay, you are a copywriter. (laughs) I don't know. Like you have those skills, right? Right. (laughs) <laughs> you don't realize that like you like you can do it you can write if you're sitting down and you're reading books like like this is something that i always notice in readers people will read like people who read like 50 books or more a year yeah you know what a book is supposed to sound like yeah like you could edit novels for a living like you could go through and like you could understand grammar like you could do all of that because your hobby is reading oh my god i'm just having this hit right now you know how i told you the other night when we were connecting over what we were going to talk about here that like like you're obviously super creative into the arts and film and I was like I'm not really a film person like I don't I don't really know much about that world but like I just had this hit that my favorite movies usually have a character who's a genius mm-hmm. a genius and they're usually they usually have some sort of trauma or pain that they like move through that becomes part of their genius I'm thinking about like I don't know even just like the queen's gambit on, you know, like she's like a chess player and she's a genius, but then also there's like struggle in there. Uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Goodwill hunting. He's like yeah. a genius mathematician or whatever. And I think about how, you know, early in my twenties, I became obsessed with like purpose and like, what are, what are people's special gifts? And, and it's like, those things don't seem connected, but of course they are. Like my favorite thing about my work is helping people to see like their like natural gift that literally nobody else has. And it's like, well, of course, of course I would like those movies. Of course I would, you know, and, and totally came from a place of like being bullied in school and a small community and like crying outside of the school. And I remember like just my tears stopping one time and feeling like all kids deserve to feel worthy and you know and then it's like literally it's pulling out people's like gift and shining it back in their face mm-hmm. and and showing that I feel like you do the same thing you're doing this in this conversation <laughs> right like you are worthy you have gifts and they're in these like unexpected places so I just I'm just vibing that's what you're saying here no i really like that you say that but yeah like like noticing them noticing the things that you love the things that you do how that is actually impacting who you are in other places and just realizing that everything is connected like your moments are all connected your hobbies your interests the things that you're doing that seem unrelated to your workplace what happens like especially for people who don't like their workplace what happens if you bring the things you love into that place i call it decorating the cage decorating the cage i like that yeah sorry to interrupt no that's that's nice yeah i'm like visualizing what you said um my like ideas and hobbies like sticking to the cage anyway (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so you can and that's what that's why i always say you can do anything with what you know and 
in a lot of ways, like obviously, like I'm not about to like do brain surgery or something because I yeah. know how to hold a paintbrush. But I mean, it helps. Yeah, <laughs> if I want to help. Yeah, if I wanted to learn how to be, like, if I went to med school and I like ended up becoming a brain surgeon, I'm sure that my like my like delicate detail with a paintbrush is going to help me with a scalpel. Like obviously, totally. You know, and it's like everything is related and connected, and you, like there's just. I don't know, there's just this divine connectivity in the world and in yourself with the world that people don't see. And every time somebody says, oh, I can't do that or I'm not interesting, I'm like, that's just because you haven't met somebody who's brought that out of you yet. Yeah. Right? And like a lot of people, I'm, there's this quote where it's like a good leader is somebody who inspires you to like work harder, but a great leader is somebody who inspires you to um, inspire yourself to do what you care about or something like that. Yeah. And like this idea that so many people, so many bosses will say, oh, like, good job for like cleaning that area or something. Like, like I'm just thinking like, if you're like working in a store and like you stock a shelf, a box would be like, oh, great job. That shelf looks amazing. But like a really great leader is going to see that that person who is willing and like volunteering to decorate those shelves. I don't know. Maybe they just like take note of like the skill that they needed to be able to do that. Be like, wow, that was great organizational skills. You have super amazing time management. Um, you're you have like a really good eye for making everyday mundane things look stylish on the shelf. Like mm-hmm. compliment what's happening. Like not do you know what I mean? Like yeah, not like the thing for the workplace, but the thing for the person. Yeah. And that makes that person that person. And it can seem so little, but it's actually like a big, a big thing yeah. to do to tell people to notice the qualities of people that make them good at what they're doing totally and it's like what's the thing that you're doing underneath what you're doing exactly and what's the thing you've been doing underneath what you've been doing this whole time yeah what's the thing that you did underneath what you were doing when you were a little kid when you were like making something out of nothing what were you mm-hmm. actually doing what was that thing you know and i think the world needs this message right now there there's a lot of people in change going through big transitions, big awakenings, job losses. I don't know, as an entrepreneur, I've gone through like big pivots over the last seven years and especially since COVID-19. And it's like kind of challenged me to go deeper into the truth of self, mm-hmm. you know, deeper into the the thing underneath. And I just feel like you've inspired me big time. And I'm certain you listener, um, just to, to like own all these different parts and start to even... Even if it's not clear, like what the connection is, what the thread is, what the hyperlink is, to start asking, like, huh, what is the connecting factor among all these things that I do? And ask that question, like you said, when you're journaling, when you're walking down the street, Mm -hmm. you know, like I caught myself walking down the street today, which also is a a sign of my um, just how my life has shifted and changed and how grateful I am now, like that my state of being now. I caught myself walking down the street being like, Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Like, thank you, thank you, thank you for these like white pants I'm wearing today. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the opportunity to meet up with you, you know, like in this space. And thank you, thank you, thank you that we met randomly at a pub late at night, you know, <laughs> and there were no tables left. So, yeah. you know, like, thank you, thank you, thank you for these moments of, of beauty. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that attitude that like reverence and gratitude for each moment, like you really bring that to the table and bring that out of, out of me too, and bring that to the listener. Um, Yeah. I think that just, just helps with being able to see or open up to seeing 
what the threads or the hyperlinks are mm-hmm. that, that make people truly, each person truly an asset. I agree with you. And I think it's super important to be like grateful and optimistic and to um, not to like romanticize like, but to see everything is valuable. Everything that happens. Even the shit. Like, exactly. Even the hard shit. Exactly. Like, yeah. And I know that there's that narrative where it's like everything is a lesson. And I don't necessarily agree. I don't think I everything has to be a lesson. But I think that everything has to be ex- like experienced. And you have to accept that that thing has happened. And yeah. whatever has happened, you make a choice based on like what to do next. Or like be present. Don't push things away. Don't ignore things. Like be attentive to everything that comes into your life. Even if it's a negative thing and as that negative thing is impacting you and you're going through it, um, find the things that help you get through things. You know, really build those skills, build that resilience. Resilience is a massive thing. And I think that if people um, just, I don't know, understood resilience also as an asset, as a skill, yeah, they could market that in, as themselves in a workplace as well. Like I would hire somebody who's resilient because... They know how to problem solve. Like resilience. If you've gone through a lot, if you've had adversity in your life and you say that I am resilient, well, that is also saying that you know how to solve problems. Totally. You know how to cope with massive changes, things going on. You know how to adapt. So everything that you've gone through makes you an asset. Everything matters. See how it goes. Like good relationships, bad relationships. (laughs) (laughs) We know what those are like. Yes. Yeah, it's it's really important. And then also, as you mentioned, like you've gone through really big changes and um, like with like career and all of these different things. Uh, What is, what's I going to say? As you've gone through all of these changes and you're like growing as a person, you're probably going to have to learn new things. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of times people can become quite afraid of asking for help or asking for questions or asking the right questions and they can start to feel like what if I look stupid what if I look mm-hmm. dumb and this is something that breaks my heart mm-hmm. because if you don't know something that is an amazing opportunity to learn something yeah and I think what needs to happen and like what I started doing so that I could feel comfortable asking questions and being in different spaces is I thought to myself I am not um I'm not here because I like I the narrative, I change the narrative from I'm afraid to look stupid to I am proud to look curious. I'm proud to look mm. interested. Yeah. And that completely changed my perspective and how I was able to ask questions and get opportunities. And there's also this quote from Oprah where she says, you have no idea what you could get if you don't ask for it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. You don't know the opportunities that can come if you don't ask for them. So... I really embodied that. Like, I am going to ask for that opportunity. If I can't get it, okay, then I'll ask for something else or I'll find a different opportunity. That's fine, but I won't know if I don't try it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I am proud to look curious. That I think is a really big thing. And that also gets rid of this giant blockade that stops so many people from advancing and learning new things and mm-hmm. in anything, like in any skill, in a different skill, in a different place. Just like you can have no prior background knowledge but be there because you want to learn something. Mm-hmm. And then for this to be successful, you have to stop comparing yourself to the people around you as well. Comparison mm-hmm. is like the biggest killer of joy. Like you cannot. Well, because if, if you're the asset, you're going to be your biggest asset by claiming and owning you. Exactly. You know? And so there is no other you. There is, there's nothing like, what are you comparing? Like apples to oranges, right? Like exactly. it's, not, it's not a valid, 
you haven't lived that other person's life story. Like I haven't lived your life story, right? Like I didn't grow up with a single mom. You didn't grow up on a farm in like small town Saskatchewan, mm -hmm. right? Like you can't be me. You can't compare to me. I can't compare to you. And here we are together, like fucking lifting each other up and being in the same space where we get to each be in our power and each own our gifts. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's key too. It's like, where are the people that can see you for who you are and can fan the flame of who you are and support that and lift it up, you know? Mm -hmm. You need to always be building your community and building like your your tribe, your group of people that is going to support you or your group of people that are going to support you. Um, <laughs> oh, grammar. I was going to say something else. Um, it'll come back to Well, <laughs> this has been such an incredible conversation. I feel like, um, well, I feel like it honestly could we could have 10 more oh, problem. going deep down rabbit holes that we touch the surface on today. You know, I feel like the, the gift of the hyperlink, the connectivity of all these different parts mm -hmm. was very present with us today. And I feel very blessed to honestly like learn, of course, even more about you in this conversation. And I'm excited to continue that path. And thank you for spending this time with me. Absolutely. Thank you for having me and for asking so many engaging questions that like really bring this out of me. I don't talk like this with everyone. So this feels really nice to have an opportunity mm -hmm. like this. Well, our, uh, our listeners are really lucky to hear your story. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here and listening. It's time to integrate. What are you taking away from this episode that you can implement in your daily life? There were so many themes that popped throughout. In this moment, I'm thinking about what Aaliyah said about how if you journal, if you write, like you're already a copywriter. That just hit me. You know, think about these things that you do naturally day to day that are interests to you or that you want to learn more about. And how could those natural tendencies apply to value that you can add? in the world, how you can create impact. I'd be curious to hear from you what popped for you, what you learned from this episode and how you maybe are seeing your life and your gifts and your multifacetedness a little bit differently. I feel pumped to uh, pitch myself for things that maybe I wouldn't in the past after listening to Aaliyah's story. What is that for you? What's your source of inspiration from this episode? That's all for today. See you next week. Take really good care. Bye-bye.